Section 30 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. On the Prose Rhyme and the Poetry of the Knights, B. The Verse, Part 1. The sheer or metrical part of the Knights is considerable, amounting to not less than ten thousand lines, and these I could not but render in rhyme, or rather in monorhyme. This portion has been a bugbear to translators. De Sassy noticed the difficulty of the task. Lane held the poetry untranslatable because abounding in the figure Tajnis, or Paranomasia, or Peregran, of which there are seven distinct varieties, not to speak of other rhetorical flourishes. He therefore omitted the greater part of the verse as tedious, and, through the loss of measure and rhyme, generally intolerable to the reader. He proved his position by the bold literalism of the passages which he rendered in truly prosaic prose, and succeeded in changing the facies and presentment of the work. For the sheer, like the sajja, is not introduced arbitrarily, and its unequal distribution throughout the nights may be accounted for by rule of art. Some tales, like Omar bin al-Numan and Tawadud, contain very little because the theme is historical or realistic, whilst in stories of love and courtship as that of Rose in Hood, the proportion may rise to one-fifth of the whole. And this is true to nature. Love, as Addison said, makes even the mechanic, the British mechanic, poetical, and Joe Hume, of material memory, once fought a duel about a fair object of dispute. Before discussing the verse of the knights, it may be advisable to enlarge a little upon the prosody of the Arabs. We know nothing of the origin of their poetry, which is lost in the depths of antiquity, and the oldest bards of whom we have any remains belong to the famous epoch of the war al-Basus, which would place them about A.D. 500. Moreover, when the muse of Arabia first shows she is not only fully developed and mature, she has lost all her first youth, her beauté du diable, and she is assuming the characteristics of an age beyond middle age. No one can study the earliest poetry without perceiving that it results from the cultivation of centuries, and that it has already assumed that artificial type and conventional process of treatment which presages inevitable decay. Its noblest period is included in the century preceding the apostolate of Mohammed, and the oldest of that epoch is the prince of Arab songsters, Imr al-Qais, the wandering king. The Christian fathers characteristically termed poetry vinum demonorum. The stricter Muslims called their bards enemies of Allah, and when the prophet, who hated verse and could not even quote it correctly, was asked who was the best poet of the peninsula, he answered that the man of Al-Qais, that is, the worshipper of the Priapus idol, would usher them all into hell. 
here he only echoed the general verdict of his countrymen who loved poetry and as a rule despised poets the earliest complete pieces of any volume and substance saved from the wreck of old arabic literature and familiar in our day are the seven kazidas purpose odes or tendance elegies which are popularly known as the gilded or the suspended poems and in all of these we find with an elaboration of material and formal art which can go no further a subject matter of trite imagery and stock ideas which suggests a long ascending line of model ancestors and predecessors scholars are agreed upon the fact that many of the earliest and best arab poets were as mohammed boasted himself unalphabetic or rather could neither read nor write they addressed the ear and the mind not the eye they spoke verse learning it by rote and dictating it to the ravi and this reciter again transmitted it to the musician whose pipe or zither accompanied the minstrel's song in fact the general practice of writing began only at the end of the first century after the flight the rude and primitive measure of arab song upon which the most complicated system of meters subsequently arose was called al-rajaz literally the trembling because it reminded the highly imaginative hearer of a pregnant she-camel's weak and tottering steps this was the carol of the camel driver the lover's lay and the warrior's chaunt of the heroic ages and its simple unconstrained flow adapted it well for extempore effusions its merits and demerits have been extensively discussed amongst arab grammarians and many noticing that it was not originally divided into hemistics make an essential difference between the shair who speaks poetry and the rajis who speaks rajas it consisted to describe it technically of iambic dipodia the first three syllables being optionally long or short it can generally be read like our iams and being familiar is pleasant to the english ear the dipodia are repeated either twice or thrice in the former case rajaz is held by some authorities as al-akfash said ibn masada to be mere prose although labid and antar composed in iambics the first kasida or regular poem in rajas was by al-aglab al-ajibi temp muhammad the alfiya grammar of ibn malik is in rajas muzdawi the hemistics rhyming and the assonance being confined to the couplet al-hariri also affects rajas in the third and fifth assemblies so far arabic metre is true to nature in impassioned speech the movement of language is iambic we say i will i will not i will for many generations the sons of the desert were satisfied with nature's teaching the fine perceptions and the nicely trained ear of the bard needing no aid from art but in time came the inevitable prosodist under the formidable name of abu ad al rahman al khalil i amad i amru al farahidi of the farahid sept al azdi of the azd clan al yamadi of the yamad tribe popularly known as al khalil ibn ahmad al basri of bassorah 
where he died at sixty-eight, scanning verses, they say, in A.H. 170, is 786-87 A.D. Ibn Khalikan relates on the authority of Hamza al-Isfahani how this father of Arabic grammar and discoverer of the rules of prosody invented the science as he walked past a coppersmith's shop on hearing the strokes of a hammer upon a metal basin. Two objects devoid of any quality which could serve as a proof and an illustration of anything else than their own form and shape, and incapable of leading to any other knowledge than that of their own nature. According to others, he was passing through the Fuller's Bazaar at Basra, when his ear was struck by the dak-dak, Arabic letters, and the dakak-dakak, Arabic letters, of the workmen. In these two onomapoetics, we trace the expression which characterizes the Arab tongue. All syllables are composed of consonant and vowel, the latter long or short, as B and B, or of a voweled consonant, followed by a consonant, as bal bao, Arabic. The grammarian, true to the traditions of this craft, which looks for all poetry to the Badawi, adopted for metrical details the language of the desert. The distich, which amongst Arabs is looked upon as one line, he named bite, nighting place, tent, or house, and the hemistic misra, the one leaf of a folding door. To this scenic simile, all the parts of the verse were more or less adapted. The meters, our feet, were called arkan, the stakes and stays of the tent. The syllables were usul or roots divided into three kinds. The first, or sabab, the tent rope, is composed of two letters, a voweled and a quiescent consonant, as lam. The watad, or tent peg, of three letters, is of two varieties. The majmu, or united, a foot in which the two first consonants are moved by vowels, and the last is jasmated, or made quiescent, by acopope as lacad, and the mafruk, or disunited, when the two moved consonants are separated by one jasmated, as kabla, and lastly the fasila, or intervening space, applied to the main pole of the tent, consists of four letters. The meters were called buhur, or seas, plural of bar, also meaning the space within the tent walls, the equivoque alluding to pearls and other treasures of the deep. Al-Khalil, the systematizer, found in general use only five daira, circles, classes of groups of meter. And he characterized the harmonious and stately measures, all built upon the original rajas, as al-Tawil, the long, al-Kamil, the complete, al-Wafir, the copious, al-Basit, the extended, and al-Kafif, the light. These embrace all the Mu'alakat and the Hamasa, the great anthology of Abu Tamam, but the crave for variety and the extension of foreign intercourse had multiplied once, and al-Khalil deduced from the original five daira, fifteen, to which al-Akfash, died A.D. 830, added a 16th, al The Persians extended the number to 19. The first four were peculiarly Arab. 
the fourteenth the fifteenth and seventeenth peculiarly persian and all the rest were arab and persian arabic metre so far resembles that of greece and rome that the value of syllables depends upon the quantity or position of their consonants not upon accent as in english and the neo-latin tongues al-khalil was doubtless familiar with the classic prosody of europe but he rejected it as unsuited to the genius of arabic and like a true eastern galerte he adopted a process devised by himself instead of scansion by pyrrhix and spondees iams and trochees anapests and similar simplifications he invented a system of weights wuzun. of these there are nine memorial words used as quantitative signs all built upon the root fal which has rendered such notable service to arabic and hebrew grammar and varying from the simple fa'al in persian fa'ul to the complicated mutafa'ilun anapest plus iam thus the prosodist would scan the shanameh of firdausi as fa'ulun 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 fa'al these weights also show another peculiarity of arabic verse in english we have few if any spondees the arabic contains about three longs to one short hence its gravity stateliness and dignity but these longs again are peculiar and sometimes strike the european ear as shorts thus adding a difficulty for those who would represent oriental meters by western feet ictus and accent german arabists can register an occasional success in such attempts englishmen none my late friend professor palmer of cambridge tried the tour de force of dancing on one leg instead of two and notably failed mr lyell also strove to imitate arabic metre and produced only prose bewitched mr payne appears to me to have wasted trouble in observing the exterior form of the stanza the movement of the rhyme and as far as possible the identity in number of the syllables composing the bits there is only one part of his admirable version concerning which i have heard competent readers complain and that is the metrical because here and there it sounds strange to their ears i have already stated my conviction that there are two and only two ways of translating arabic poetry into english one is to represent it by good heroic or lyric verse as did sir william jones the other is to render it after french fashion by measured and balanced prose the little sister of poetry it is thus and thus only that we can preserve the peculiar cachet of the original this old word oriental song is spirit-stirring as a blast of that dread horn albeit the words be thin it is heady as the golden wine of libanus to the tongue-water and brandy to the brain the clean contrary of our nineteenth-century effusions technically speaking it can be vehicled only by the verse of the old english ballad or by the prose of the book of job and badawi poetry is a perfect expositor of badawi life especially in the good and gladsome old pagan days ere al-islam like the creed which had abolished overcast the minds of men with its dull grey pole of realistic superstition they combined to form the marvellous picture those contrasts of splendour and squalor amongst the sons of the sand under airs pure as ether 
golden and ultramarine above and melting over the horizon into a diaphanous green which suggested a resection of calf that unseen mountain wall of emerald the so-called desert changed face twice a year now brown and dry as summer dust then green as hope beautified with infinite verdure and broad sheetings of rainwater the vernal and autumnal shiftings of camp disruptions of homesteads and partings of kith and kin friends and lovers made the life many-sided as it was vigorous and noble the outcome of hardy frames strong minds and spirits breathing the very essence of liberty and independence the day began with the dawn drink generous wine bought with shining ore poured into the crystal goblet from the leather bottle swinging before the cooling breeze the rest was spent in the practice of weapons in the favourite arrow game known as al maisal gambling which at least had the merit of feeding the poor in racing for which the badawin had a mania and in the chase the foray and the fray which formed the serious business of his life and how picturesque the hunting scenes the greyhound like the mare of purest blood the falcon cast at franklin and coney the gazelle standing at gaze the desert ass scudding over the ground waves the wild cows or bovine antelopes browsing with their calves and the ostrich chickens flocking round the parent bird the musamara or night talk round the campfire was enlivened by the lute girl and the glee man whom the austere prophet described as roving distraught in every vale and whose motto in the horatian vein was to-day we shall drink to-morrow be sober wine this day that day work regularly once a year during the three peaceful months when war and even blood revenge were held sacrilegious the tribes met at ukad ukaz and other fairsteads where they held high festival and the bards strave in song and prided themselves upon doing honour to women and to the successful warriors of their tribe brief the object of arab life was to be to be free to be brave to be wise while the endeavours of other peoples was and is to have to have wealth to have knowledge to have a name and while moderns make their epitome of life to be to do and to suffer lastly the arab's end was honourable as his life was stirring few badawin had the crowning misfortune of dying the straw death the poetical forms in the nights are as follows the misra or hemistic is half the bite which for want of a better word i have rendered couplet this however though formally separated in manuscripts is looked upon as one line one verse hence a word can be divided the former part pertaining to the first and the latter to the second moiety of the distich as the arabs ignore blank verse when we come upon a rhymeless couplet we know that it is an extract from a longer composition in mono rhyme the kita is a fragment either an occasional piece or more frequently a portion of a ghazal ode or kasida elegy other than the matla the initial bite with rhyming distichs the ghazal and kasida differ mainly in length the former is popularly limited to eighteen couplets the latter begins at fifteen and is of indefinite number 
both are built upon monorhyme, which appears twice in the first couplet and ends all the others, for example, AA plus BA plus CA, etc. Nor may the same assonance be repeated, unless at least seven couplets intervene. In the best poets, as in the old classic verse of France, the sense must be completed in one couplet and not run on to a second. And as the parts cohere very loosely, separate quotation can generally be made without injuring their proper effect. A favorite form is the rubai or quatrain, made familiar to English ears by Mr. Fitzgerald's masterly adaptation of Omai Ikayam. The movement is generally AA plus BA, but it also appears as AB plus CB, in which case it is a kita or fragment. The muraba, Testratics or fourfold song occurs only once in the nights, volume one ninety eight. It is a succession of double bites or of four line stanzas rhyming AA plus BC plus DC plus EC. In strict form, the first three hemistics rhyme with one another only, independently of the rest of the poem, and the fourth with that of every other stanza. For example, AA plus AB plus CB plus DB. The Mukamas, Cinquains, or Pentastics, night 964, represents a stanza of two distics and a hemistic in monorhyme, the fifth line being the bob or burden. Each succeeding stanza affects a new rhyme, except in the fifth line. For example, AAAAB plus CCCCB, plus DDDDB, and so forth. The Mubal is a simple popular song in four to six lines. Specimens of it are given in the Egyptian grammar of my friend, the late Dr. Wilhelm Spitta. The Muasha, or ornamented verse, has two main divisions. One applies to our acrostics, in which the initials form a word or words. The other is a kind of musadas, or sextines, which occurs once only in the nights, 937. It consists of three couplets, or six-line strophes. All the hemistics of the first are in monorhyme. In the second and following stanzas, the three first hemistics take a new rhyme, but the fourth resumes the assonance of the first set, and is followed by the third couplet of number one, serving as bob or refrain. For example, A-A-A-A-A-A plus B-B-B-A-A-A plus C-C-C-A-A-A, and so forth. It is the most complicated of all the measures and is held to be of Morisco or Hispano-Moorish origin. Mr. Lane, Lex, lays down on the lines of Ibn Khalikan, 1, 476, etc., and other representative literati, as our sole authorities for pure Arabic, the precedence in following order. First of all ranks the Jahili, ignoramus, of the ignorance. These pagans left hemistics, couplets, pieces, and elegies which once composed a large corpus and which is now mostly forgotten. Hamad al-Ravija, the reciter, a man of Persian descent, died A.H. 160, is 777 A.D., who first collected the Mu Alakat, once recited by rote in a seance before Caliph al-Walid, 2,000 poems of pre-Mohammedan bards. 
After the Jahili stands the Mukadram or Muhadrim, the Spurious, because half pagan, half Muslim, who flourished either immediately before or soon after the preaching of Muhammad. The Islami or full-blooded Muslim at the end of the first century AH equals 720 AD began the process of corruption in language. And lastly, he was followed by the Muwallad of the second century, who fused Arabic with non-Arabic, and in whom purity of diction disappeared. I have noticed that the versical portion of the Knights may be distributed into three categories. First are the olden poems, which are held classical by all modern Arabs. Then comes the medieval poetry, the effusions of that brilliant throng which adorned the splendid court of Harun al-Rashid, and which ended with al-Hariri, died A.H. 516. And lastly, are the various pièces de circonstance suggested to editors or scribes by the occasion. It is not my object to enter upon the historical part of the subject. A mere sketch would have neither value nor interest, whilst the finished picture would lead too far. I must be contented to notice a few of the most famous names. Of the pre-Islamites, we have Abi bin Zaid al-Ibadi, the celebrated poet of Ibn Khalikan, 1-188, Nabigad, the full-grown, al-Zubiani, who flourished at the court of al-Numan in AD 580-602, and whose poem is compared with the Suspendeds, and al-Mutalamis, the pertinacious satirist, friend and intimate with Tarafa of the prize poem. About Muhammad's day, we find Imr al-Qais, with whom poetry began, to end with Zu al-Ruma, Amru bin Madi Karab al-Zubaydi Labid, Kab ibn Zuhair, the father one of the Mu'al Laka poets, and the son author of the Burda or Mantle poem. See volume 4, 115 and Abbas bin Mirdas, who lampooned the Prophet and had his tongue cut out, that is, received a double share of booty from Ali. In the days of Caliph Omar, we have Al-Kama bin Olata, followed by Jamil bin Mamar of the Banu Ozra, died A.H. 82, who loved Aza. Then came Al-Qutayr, the dwarf, Eonis, the lover of Butaina who was so lean that birds might be cut to bits with her bones. The latter was also a poetess, Ibn Kal 187, like Hind bin al-Numan, who made herself so disagreeable to al-Hajjaj, died A.H. 95. Jarir al-Qatafa, the noblest of the Islami poets in the first century, is noticed at full length by Ibn Khalikan, 1. 294, together with his rival in poetry and debauchery, Abu Firas Hamam, or Homaim bin Galib al-Farazdak, the Tamimi, the Omeyyad poet, without whose verse half Arabic would be lost. He exchanged satires with Jarir, and died forty days before him, A.H. 110. Another contemporary, forming the poetical triumvirate of the period, was the debauched Christian poet Al-Aqtal al-Taglibi. They were followed by Al-Abbas al-Ansari, whose witty lampoons banished him to Dalak Island in the Red Sea. Died A.H. 179, equals 795 A.D. 
by Bashar ibn Burd and by Yunus ibn Habib, died A.H. 182. The well-known names of the Harun cycle are Al-Azmai, rhetorician and poet, whose epic with Antar for hero is not forgotten, died A.H. 216. Isaac of Mosul, Ishaq bin Ibrahim of Persian origin, Al-Udbi, the poet, died A.H. 228, Abu al-Abbas al-Rakashi, Abu al-Atahiyah, the lover of Otba, Muslim bin al-Walid al-Ansari, Abu Tamam of Tay, compiler of the Hamasa, died A.H. 230, Mu'alad of the first class, says Ibn Khalikan, 1392. The famous or infamous Abu Nawaz, Abu Musab, Ahmad ibn Ali, who died in A.H. 242. The satirist Dibil al-Khuzai, died A.H. 246, and a host of others, quos nunc poscribere lungum est. They were followed by Al-Batori, the poet, died A.H. 286, the royal author Abdullah ibn al-Mutaz, died A.H. 315, Ibn Abad the Sahib, died A.H. 334, Mansur al-Halaj the martyred Sufi, the Sahib Ibn Abad, Abu Faraz al-Hamdani, died A.H. 357, Al-Nami, died A.H. 399, who had many encounters with that model chauvinist Al-Mutanabi, nicknamed Al-Mutanabi the Wide Awake killed A.H. 354. Al-Manazi of Manajirt, died 427. Al-Tugray, author of the Lamiyat al-Ajam, died A.H. 375. Al-Hariri, the model rhetorician, died A.H. 516. Al-Hajiri al-Irbili of Arbella, died A.H. 632. Baha al-Din al-Sinjari, died A.H. 622, Al-Khatib, or the scribe, died A.H. 656, Abdun al-Andalusi, the Spaniard, our 12th century, and about the same time Al-Nawaji, author of the Halbat al-Kumait, or race course of the bay horse, poetical slang for wine. Of the third category, the pièce d'occasion, little need be said, I may refer readers to my notes on the dog rules in volume 2, 34, 35, 56, 179, 182, 186, and 261, in volume 5, 55, and in volume 8, 50. Having a mortal aversion to the details of Arabic prosody, I have persuaded my friend Dr. Steingas to undertake in the following pages the subject as far as concerns the poetry of the knights. He has been kind enough to collaborate with me from the beginning, and to his minute lexicographical knowledge I am deeply indebted for discovering not a few blemishes which would have been nuts to the critic. The learned Arabist's notes will be highly interesting to students. Mine are intended to give a superficial and popular idea of the Arab's first mechanism. The principle of Arabic prosody, called Aruz, pattern standard, or Ilm al-Aruz, science of the Aruz, insofar resembles that of classical poetry as it chiefly rests on metrical weight, not on accent, 
or in other words, a verse is measured by short and long quantities, while the accent only regulates its rhythm. In Greek and Latin, however, the quantity of the syllables depends on their vowels, which may be either naturally short or long, or become long by position, that is, if followed by two or more consonants. We all remember from our school days what a fine string of rules had to be committed to and kept in memory before we were able to scan a Latin or Greek verse without breaking its neck by tripping over false quantities. In Arabic, on the other hand, the answer to the question what is metrically long or short is exceedingly simple and flows with stringent cogency from the nature of the Arabic alphabet. This, strictly speaking, knows only consonants, have, plural, geruf. The vowels which are required, in order to articulate the consonants, were at first not represented in writing at all. They had to be supplied by the reader, and are not improperly called motions, harakat, because they move or lead on, as it were, one letter to another. They are three in number, a, fata, i, kazra, u, zama, originally sounded as the correspondent English vowels in bat, bit, and but, respectively, but in certain cases modifying their pronunciation under the influence of a neighboring consonant. When the necessity made itself felt to represent them in writing, especially for the sake of fixing the correct reading of the Quran, they were rendered by additional signs placed above or beneath the consonant, after which they are pronounced in a similar way as it is done in some systems of English shorthand. A consonant followed by a short vowel is called a moved letter, muharaka. A consonant without such vowel is called resting or quiescent, sakina and can stand only at the end of a syllable or word. And now we are able to formulate the one simple rule which determines the prosodical quantity in Arabic. Any moved letter, as ta, li, mu, is counted short. Any moved letter followed by a quiescent one, as taf, fun, mus, that is, any closed syllable beginning and terminating with a consonant and having a short vowel between, forms a long quantity. This is certainly a relief in comparison with the numerous rules of classical prosody, proved by not a few exceptions, which, for instance, in Dr. Smith's elementary Latin grammar, fill eight closely printed pages. End of section 30. Recording by phone.